All right, y'all, it's 731 Guy here, and uh, I'm out here at the Grassroot Theater in Dyersburg, Tennessee, with uh, Mr. Kenny Rogers. Not the gambler Kenny Rogers, but we're, we're here. It's going to be a little memorial podcast a little bit here, too, for uh, the the gambler Kenny Rogers. But uh, I'm still alive. The, the Kenny Rogers here in town is still alive. Uh, this is also my first... Uh, Sponsored podcast, uh, RNS Carpet. Can, can you tell them a little bit about RNS Carpet? RNS Carpets been around since 1969. My dad owned it for 22 years, and I've owned it for 27 years. We changed the way we do business, kind of scaled down a little bit, trying to make things a little more convenient for the customer. Now, I bring samples to your house, and you don't have to lug all those heavy things around. So far, everybody's used this service and really liked and commented on how easy this is. So. Y'all need some floors after being cooped up with your rugrats for two weeks and decided them trashed your floors. Give me Now's a call. I need your business just like Lowe's. Go on, give them your phone. Uh, 731-676-2484 reaches me on my cell phone. 731-285-8871 reaches me on my other cell phone. <laughs> Here we go. All right, well, we've got a few people with us here tonight. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, my name's R.B. Taylor, uh, living in Union City. Greg Clanton from Mobile, Tennessee. Bob King from Alamo, Tennessee. Matt Willis from right here in Lenox, Tennessee. There we go. Well, fellas, we're just, we're just pretty much here, and we're just going to shoot from the hip and just talk about talk about our lives. You know, Matt has the baby done. He's doing good, man. He uh, he was born January second at twenty eight weeks at uh, one pound and fifteen ounces. Uh, we carried him to the doctor uh, for a weight check two days ago. He was up to six pounds two ounces and steadily growing. So we're uh, we're proud of that. We just gotta continue on and keep him safe from all this bullshit going around. This uh, this. COVID-19 and all this flu and RSV stuff, we got a little bit more time and maybe all that shit will die out. So, uh, that's it with him. Hey, so. I got some Lysol toilet bowl cleaner here if you want to wash your hands before you <laughs> yeah. leave. Yeah. Now, that's bad, <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> that's bad, Kenny. You got to use toilet bowl. Lysol is hey, Lysol. I figure so. if it works on a toilet bowl, then by golly, that's what I want. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Man. So, so uh, quarantine-wise, I mean, I've been having to work. What about the rest of y'all? Oh, y'all been, been having everybody yeah, been working. Oh, yeah. Nothing out of the ordinary for us. I mean, me and Matt went yesterday to pick up his cabinets for his house. We felt like we was quarantined in Lowe's because the dude in Lowe's didn't want to do no work. No. Then come to find out it wasn't that he didn't want to do no work. He couldn't drive a forklift. Uh -huh. Twenty-two people called in. Ain't that right, yeah, Brad? They, they, been have, overwhelmed. they have one forklift driver in the whole store of Lowe's. <laughs> we offered our services. They wouldn't even let us yeah, do it. I mean, we're both licensed in the state of Tennessee and they wouldn't even let us get I walked up and down the aisles of Lowe's. How many forklifts do they need? Well, in the back, they were getting cabinets, yeah. you know. Okay. So. But we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, stayed, we had to stand out in front for a while where we started kind of screwing with people, telling them they were at max capacity inside. We couldn't let no more people in. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You just sent them out to RNS carpets. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody listened to us. Everybody kept going. That one woman kind of got a little irritated about it. She yeah. was like, well. She was going to get redneck. I mean, I was ready to get redneck. Back, we, was you know ready, we was ready, no doubt. It was pulling. Well, we had pretty, Once we, they have the cash, it's a different story, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had a pretty good day yesterday, though. We went out there with the old timers out there at the, yeah. 
What's the name of that store? Oh, B&B down there in Finley. You know, Big Boy Junction. Yeah. Out there with all the old timers. Yeah. On that shirt. We got Iterator Road. B&B. Sherry runs that place. That's right. Yeah. Sherry, yep. Sherry, I know Sherry. You worked with her dad for a long time. Yep. Good people, man. Yeah, they are. Like I said, we're out here at the root. Kenny, tell them a little bit about the root, man, and why everybody comes out here to the root. Well, I don't know why everybody comes out here because it ain't because of me, I guarantee you. But. Ain't that the truth? That's the truth. Uh, I've always thought I'd like to have a place to play music. And then uh, a couple years ago, I joined up with a band of cousins. We kicked him out. They kicked me out. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I, I'm no longer with the band of cousins. They're out there somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, I, know if I played with them. We went to a They're in jail. Bar Went to a smoky bar or two and played some tunes, and my wife got to where she couldn't go to the smoky bar anymore because it just it was just wearing on her too much. So I thought to myself, you know, it'd be great if it was a place where musicians could go to play that wasn't a bar, that just played music, and they had listeners. It was a listening room. So uh, I started downsizing. Sold my building on the bypass, wanted to get a little smaller and getting a little older and getting closer to that social security check, you know what I mean? Huh, yeah. <laughs> We're all getting closer to that social security yeah. check. Anyway, this place here was up for sale, been for sale for three years, and for one reason or another, the zoning board says, no, you can't buy it and do this. So I come along. I ended up with it, and so now the church house out here is a music hall where there's a stage for anybody to play. What's the address out here, Kenny? 2148 Meacham Road, Newburn, Tennessee. We're out in the country. You're going to think you're going to drive for miles. You think you can't find this place. You're lost. But don't give up. Listen to Google. It's that little old church, y'all, right there on the... uh... Top of the hill, Meacham going into Red Bud. Yep. Red Bell. Red Bell. Red Bell. I was not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it's a good place. How, how old is this building, Kenny? Oh, the, the, the back part of it was a schoolhouse that was moved in here into the 20s. From the stage on back. Gotcha. It's a schoolhouse. And then in 52, the rest of the building was built on. Uh... That's how old it is. Guys, what I'm getting at is this building, man, it's got this unique sound. I mean, everybody that plays in there, I, you know, every time somebody hears me in here or something, they, they say, man, it sounds great inside of this place, you know. I get that a lot. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it does for everybody. And uh, it's a good place to be. It's a family-oriented place, you know, when you, you don't want to – you know, all the only places that you know musicians really got together and play is in bars and stuff, especially around here. And it's it's getting even scarce for that. You know, you, you, we got what Mojos, which ain't really got a dedicated stage, right. and Tap. You can only play there. You know, <coughs> in the summertime, when it's nice outside. You know, I, it's it's really a nice place for something like that. You know, and that's that's what I love about it too. And then. You know, every time I want to play some music, I ain't got to get a babysitter and stuff like that to go play in a bar, you know. I can come out here with my family, and everybody's friendly, and everybody, you know, is just great people, you know, including the musicians, you know. Yeah, Hannah's got the first picture from, from our color art wall for her children that's hanging on the wall out there. That's right. That's right. So they got things for children. They got things for adults, and, and uh, it's just a good place to be, you know.
I mean, they, they back the community a lot as well because, you know, with with Matt's situation with his son, you know, it kind of put a, a stamp on him. You know, he's building a house. He's, you know, he had to miss some work. and But his baby being premature, you know, they had a, held the benefit out here for him, the auction, and they're fantastic out here. Oh, you know, dear. everybody was able to bring their kids. They didn't have to worry about not bringing their kids. There was food. There's always food out here. Uh, Locks does a lot, know, and then yeah. you know sometimes we will get food trailers. You know, fatties out fatties here. Fatties come out. Uh, <clears throat> great food. Uh, Locks and fatties, they've been awesome. Kenny, I mean, I, I'll never be able to thank you enough for letting that happen. You know, uh, we raised a lot of money. It was able to, you know, it's just it's just a nest egg for us for my wife actually not to have to go to work. That way she can take care of him as long as she basically can. I'm gonna continue on to pay all the bills that I always pay, but. Uh, that's just uh, her side of things, you know. That way she can stay on and take care of JT as long as she can. That's right. Well, everybody and, uh, came together. I mean, it was just amazing. Your benefit out here, they showed up for I'm out in the parking lot trying to squeeze cars on the man, parking lot. Was, it, I got here early. I got here early and didn't have a parking spot. Yeah. It, it was very humbling, man. I, I'll never be able to thank everybody enough for what they've done for me and my family. Just – you know, it, it, it chokes me up sometimes to think about that somebody would take the time out of their day to come and, and support my family, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's just a great thing, you know. And I thank Kenny for letting that happen out here. And, you know, we didn't have to pay him a dime to have it out here. And, and uh, you know, I, I try to do all I can for Kenny anytime he needs my help. I appreciate or, or uh, you know, Kenny, he has this. Kenny's or that. helped us out a lot too. When yeah, we Kenny's helped us before. Needing somewhere that. to needing somewhere to practice and stuff. When we first started playing together and right. stuff, we'd go up to his old his old building and practice. And then, that's right. Then once he got the route, we could start coming up here and practice. And we practice for the fair. And he never asked anybody for never a dime. Asked for a dime. And that's that's when when Kenny wants something or he needs something or he's gonna have this or that. I know I'm not the best musician in the world and I don't claim to be. But I will help him every time that I possibly can. I appreciate any that, any yeah. chance y'all can get to get up here to the Grassroot Music Theater, y'all y'all get up here. There's a donation jar as soon as you walk in the door. Make it a point to put something in there, even if it's a dollar, because we want to keep this place rolling. And we want Kenny to be able to keep going what he what what he had envisioned for this place. And this place is is a is a great spot to to be able to do things for other people as well. And Kenny is the type of person to use it for that anytime it's needed. Well, thank you guys for the plug, but there's other people sitting around the table. Oh yeah, no doubt. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. I sure. We're just trying to I give everybody a little insight. I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't do this without we got you plenty guys. Of time. You know, we got plenty. Of time. If it's just me up on that stage, ain't nobody gonna come out to see me. <laughs> And I don't blame him. Barbara don't even come out to see me anymore. You have more confidence in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that talking? Greg Wayne. Greg, talk Greg. to Greg for a minute. Tell, tell us a little bit about, about what you do music-wise or what you do in your life. Well, uh, I grew up around old Biden and used to farm. And the farm pretty big time back then. According to back then, it left in 82. Things was kind of rough in 82 on farmers from 81 and 80 and all the way back to 1950, I guess. You still but, farm now? No, I quit farming in 82. I, I, I played music on weekends with the Wilson boys that used to run Wilson Radiator here in Bicesburg. Oh, and uh, I, I got to looking at uh, my guitar, my old telly, and you know, they ain't a grease fitting on that thing anywhere. <laughs> and I told my daddy, I said, you know, 
I think we just need to sell all this scrap iron and I'm gonna go to Nashville. And that's what I did. Yeah. I went in 82 and, and 85. Uh, they put me a band together and uh, bought me a new Chevrolet van. And we got in it and left Nashville. And by the time we got back, we had 23,000 miles on that thing. And we played every cowboy nightclub between Nashville and Twin Falls, Idaho. Met a lot of good people and had one heck of a time. And come into town about two weeks, loaded back up and we left with another 17,000 miles on it. And wound up in the... Ran his warranty out, didn't he? <laughs> Real quick. Yeah, according to the mileage, it was still good. Uh, but uh, I think I put 750,000 miles on that thing before I got rid of it. When did you uh, start playing music? I started playing when I was about 14. And What influenced you to, to want to play music? I just, rock and roll. Rock and roll. I'm going to tell you right now. I got a Gibson acoustic guitar for Christmas. And my granddaddy said, I'll take you to, I'll take you to guitar lessons every Saturday night. So we went to, he took me up to King Electronics in Union City on Saturday night. Basically, that was just learning chords, and he was, Grandpa was a lot smarter than me. We listened to Grand Ole Opry going up there and coming back, and he kept telling me that's what I needed to do. And about, about then, uh, guys like Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff come out, and all I wanted to play rock and roll. Well, of course, like everybody else, I got married out of high school, and every time I touch my guitar, it's like, won't you go take out the garbage or go wash the car and mow the yard? If you got time for that guitar, you got time yeah, for that. Yeah, if you got time for that. Why don't you put that thing up until you learn how to play it? And uh, so I put it in the closet, and, and then in uh, 73, 74, when John Deere come out with the track, the 4430 with the cab, with good radio in it. And I driving down through the field, and Willie and Hank Jr. come on. Mm -hmm. And I, when I got home at night, I pulled my guitar out of the closet, and I decided that's what I was gonna do. I'm gonna tell you right now, y'all, y'all can't see this fella, but he's got, he's got the, he's got the side ponies like old Willie too. And uh, so that's what happened. And uh, I, I wasn't the greatest, still ain't the greatest. Don't want to be the greatest. Because if you've noticed through history, all the great ones die. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. So why do I want to be, be better than Jimi Hendrix or anybody? Because they all die. I'm just going to do my, I do my thing. Uh, a guy from, from Troy had come back to Nashville, from Nashville in 74, and a piano player. And he took me under his wing. He took me under his wing and taught me a lot, of, a lot of things. A lot of miles, boys. Yeah, yeah. a lot of memories too. That's huh? good stuff. Did you play? Man. Did you play with a lot of folks from around this area? You know, Dyersburg area. No. Did you know any of the when musicians I played around with here? A lot of, a lot of guys in Nashville. Not. The stars, but the people in their bands played with me. The people that made them sound good. Yeah. People that made them sound good. The ones that made the back go. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, they like my old, 
I played in Lake County a lot back to BFW back in the 70s. We call it old Lake County Boogie. It's a lot of musicians, especially those up in Nashville, didn't have that what I call soul. They couldn't they couldn't catch that groove. Mm. And I had guys playing my band that you just absolutely would not believe for twenty bucks in beer on Saturday night. Mm. And I'm talking about stars. When they just like to play. They just like what I did. And so my goal, I, when I went to Nashville, my goal was to have me a band on the road, and that's what I did. And lots of people talk about it. Lots of people talk about, I can do this, I can do that. Well, I did it. I have done it. And I wasn't, wasn't a big star, but I had people out on the road that would hear we were playing and drive three or four hundred miles. I've had fourteen hundred people on the dance floor at one time doing line dances. And there's nothing in bigger high than that right there. I bet. I mean in a way, you know, the whole traveling and playing music deal is a lot easier nowadays too than yeah. when it was for you, I'm sure. Well the good thing was the people. The people in this country People in this country are great. And all the time we spend on the road, every Sunday, we eat Sunday dinner at somebody's home. Yeah. Every Sunday. But Didn't know us from Adam. But it ain't like that. They find us yeah. down to have Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner with their families. That's awesome. Yeah. Alice's restaurant. Right. <laughs> it, it, it ain't it ain't nothing like that nowadays, man. You'd be lucky to get Thanksgiving with your own family nowadays. You know, everybody's always got something else going on. You know, Christmas is always somebody got something else going on. And you, it, certain influential people in your life, when they start passing away, things like that start to disappear because they were the ones doing. It. Yeah, and that you, you, you have a lot of times like in my situation right now after my mother passed. Things started falling off. Yeah, because she was the one that the fat that I call yeah, out the she glue. Was, no, she, she was the glue. the glue that kept everything yeah. together. Yeah. And you know, I'm trying to get all that back. And dude, it, let me well, tell you, it's like tough because I mean, everybody is busy, and I get it. Well, I'm I, busy. I've got kids that play ball. But I've you got gotta kids, make but time you for got to make time. You got to make time. I think Greg had a family out there, and I'm sitting there watching him tell this story, and I can see his face. I can see memories of them Sunday dinners. Flooding back in his mm-hmm. mind, in his eyes, and his reaction. Right. That's how you know how much he, he feels, feels. You know. You know that was all his. All those people stuff. were his family, and I'm sure once he had to leave back out and go, it was hard to say goodbye to him because that might have been the last time he actually got to see. Got to see him, yeah. So I mean, that's that's he probably a, talks to one or two of them. Oh, still. I'm sure. <laughs> or Bonnie does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> say so, hi, Miss Bonnie. Hey y'all. No, that's not hi, Miss Bonnie. <laughs> there you go. So after you know, how long did you do that? How long did you, did uh, you push through and, and go and play like that? I played on the road like that. It come. It was in spurts. I, I, about three years. And then I got to playing at a place in in Nashville every weekend. I played it uh, on Fifty First and Centennial Corner. 
got a fixed person in Centennial in Nashville for about oh, three and a half years. What year, what, what year was this? That was in oh, around the night, early 90. What was the name of the place? Do you know? The name of it was Willie's. Yeah, let's go fish. It's all lined up now. Yeah. I probably never spoke weed. I think when we started there, we had like six people, and I got where we had a hundred plus people every night. Wow. Well, you just need to keep coming back here, okay? Had a big old time. So, when did you retire from Nashville? I came back home in 12, 2012. And, uh, you put your guitars and, up there? I had, I, had, I had played out what, a few times, four or five times since I've been home. Where'd you say that place was at? That was 51st and Centennial in, in the West Nashville. I'm trying to say what's there now. It's, it's, it was across from what used to be the old Pee Wee Supper Club where George Jones and these guys hung out. Mm-hmm. Then they burn it down on Saturday night, having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> now that's fun. That's kicking yeah, the balls and burning it down. Too, that's overkill on the fire. Uh, that's, that's probably just right up the possum's alley, right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I guarantee when it burnt down, he wasn't now, around. He was a no show. Well, I can't tell. <laughs> What's there now is 51st Deadly. That's what's there now. Deadly. I did. Walk back the thing. Are you walking back in on that <laughs> and bring back some memories it was, there for sure. Willie's was a quick stop store, a night spot beer joint, and a used tire store. That's right. That's some business right there. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only thing that would be a better combination right, than that right there would be a uh, laundromat, self storage, and a barbecue joint. Oh, I was gonna say that's so hot dogs. That's how I got the job was hanging down in the laundromat. Carl Walker. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I love it. And I'm talking to my wife about playing music, and, and he said, Well, I don't got you a place where you can go. Just go down there and tell, tell Willie I sent you. And, and there I was for three, three and a half years. Check him out right there. Take a picture of that so you can put him on somewhere. I'll be dang. Look at yeah, him. He's slick, ain't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's doing the exile days and that kind of stuff. That's when the best would fit. That's when the best would fit. Hey, so. I wonder what's in the pocket of that best. I don't understand. Craig didn't grow up physically until he was 25 years old. Well, I don't think he'd grown up yet. No, I mean physically, his body. When we graduated from high school, he was only about this much taller than me, and we probably weighed the same. And I was tiny. And uh, have you been with him the whole time? No, in this whole endeavor? no. We should have, but I, we I got didn't. You. I went to Birmingham, and where they love to govern. And uh, went to <laughs> school. We didn't, we didn't date in high school. She was busy dating teachers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Now the truth comes out. Now it comes out. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, you gotta do what you gotta do to survive. I bet she had straight A's. <laughs> I bet she did. The bad part is no. Oh, no. Dang! Or the 
That could have been the good part. No. When we, were, <laughs> when we were in the eighth grade, this guy substituted our class on his winter break. And he wasn't even a real teacher? Yeah. <laughs> He told me when I got 16, he wanted to date me. And when I turned 16, he came home and we dated when he was in Aubonne. And he was very much a gentleman. And yeah, he was. I don't think he was. You don't know. I'm going to beat the hell out of him. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. So what, so, so what do you do now? What do you do? <laughs> Are you quarantined? Let, let, <laughs> let me explain how my days go now. I get up in the morning. At what time? Uh, nine or ten o'clock. Look at you go! And I get up and I eat breakfast and I go look out the door. <laughs> Get out of my yard! That's a scrabble. How long you stand there? I go back in the house and I take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Belly's full, he's just ready to take a nap. That's after looking out the door, nothing was going on, huh? That's right. And then I get up, maybe look outside again, maybe not. There's There's no real need to look out. Door around here anymore because it's rained for the last Man. two years. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no grass, and it's just so mud. Mine and I, we said we were going to drink coffee and joke and watch great stuff, watch TV. So, how did you get to be to this point to where that's what you can do every day? A lot of miles, son. <laughs> I mean, I put in my, my share of work. And he made sure he paid in his social security. Yeah. <laughs> if it was social security, I'd, I'd be out here playing out every day. Chopping off fence rows again. He married me. She's got the money. Now Sugar we got it. Sugar mama. Sugar mama. Sugar mama. Sugar mama. She got that teacher's money. <laughs> teacher's money, yeah. I've done, I've done everything. Run heavy equipment, drove trucks, been on the road driving trucks, farmed, used to tractor pull. Me and, me and some of the guys from Obine started tractor pulling in the state of Tennessee back in 74. And we, we, God, we're in front of a living legend right I'm here. He's been, he's been and done a lot. I can do anything but make money. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me right there. We all got that talent. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Matt was talking about that yesterday, man. We, we, we want to get out of the factory life so bad. But it's just the way this it's just country is. Man. It's just we know we can go in there and we're going to go home with a paycheck. Yeah, that's right. And, and we want to do other about stuff it. and we can't. And it's just, man, it's scary. It's scary to scary take that leap, you know. Yeah. Well, it's the way our country has been run. We ain't going about slavery in the Civil War. Well, we've been in slavery hmm. since the Civil War. The whole nation, every living, breathing person that gets up and goes to their yeah. job in the morning. And it's, it's, it's depressing, man. We're working for somebody else. It's being held oh, as yeah. a slave to oh, the yeah. dollar, that's the way we've been taught, raised, and that's what we've been taught to believe. But believe me, things are changing. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with that. I have and to agree with that. when we get off of this recording, I'm going to tell you all what's good. But I mean, it's I, a wide open right I can't, now. I can't do it here right now because enough people think I'm crazy. 
Oh, <laughs> a conspiracy theory in the works. Nice. We love no, conspiracy theory. Reality theory. Reality theory. Know y'all that's so scared of the coronavirus and everything, don't worry about it. Everything's cool. Just stay at the house. Keep clean. Wash your hands. Brush your teeth. Comb your hair. Everything be cool. And, and find something to wipe your ass on because there ain't no toilet paper nowhere. Let me, let me tell you, the, the, the reason I've done this podcast right here is for people that wouldn't normally go on something like this and say stuff or start their own. Well, I, I can tell you. The reason I did it is to get the myself included. I would never share my opinion on certain things. I, and, I tell know, everybody to get it all out something. or whoever it is. This is words of wisdom. Everything you've been taught about your country, about life, about religion in your lifetime is a lie. And in the future, this year, everybody's going to find out because it's coming and you're going to be glad that it did. I'm looking forward. Me too. I'm ready for I'm some ready. good stuff. Yeah, I'm really amazing and one of the funny things about Greg and I is that I've been in a very hard marriage and my husband finally died and so he ID channel (laughs) (laughs) y'all need to let me tell you about that another story story coming out now I dumped his ashes. I went to the old bridge at Vicksburg, huh? and it was his first wife, Bonnie, which we always refer to her as Bonnie number one. Oh, it's Bonnie he married two Bonnies? How yeah. does that even happen? That sounds sick and psych- psycho. Like, he's like playing that shit. How do you find you? In the phone book? Yeah. <laughs> he had a tattoo. Yeah. He couldn't cover up. He had a tattoo. Yeah. Could have been. Anyway, she, she was telling him about her last husband died and they cremated him. I said, so, well, what did you do with his ashes? And, and she said, well, me and his first wife and his daughter, we went over the Mississippi River on the bridge. and went on the bridge and dumped his ass off in the Mississippi River. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's just Mississippi mud. Isn't it? Catfish food. I seen a thing today where a woman bought a dadgum ornament at a thrift store, and it was heavy and it was weird, and she accidentally held it up in front of the light, and there was something inside of it. It was somebody's ashes. Yeah, they did. Oh, they I thought she was going to say it was a goldfish. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, isn't that creepy? Man, it's crazy. You know, y'all talk about this guy dumping his ashes, but he was somebody's baby. That's right. Uh, Somebody well, loved this guy. Well, Miss Bessie had been gone for a long time, and she did love him, but he, but she, Sound like he, uh, you know, just by listening to this story, he married two bodies. It sounded like he was trying to directly replace the first one with the second. Oh no, no, no! The first Bonnie. I am so afraid. That is just so terrible. No, no, no. We were completely different. And we were 30 years old. Growing up with her and knowing her and her family, 
I don't see how the guy lived as long as he did. <laughs> so how did y'all how did y'all reconnect back up and, and wind up? Because my Barney flies well, over the ocean. We went to school together starting like the sixth grade, and then when we graduated, everything kind of swarmed. And then year before last at our 50th class reunion, she showed up, and I was going through getting a divorce and all that stuff, getting out of jail. David Allen Cole, man. <laughs> I was told Greg was going through a rough time and I was to take care of him during that weekend I was up here. Heck yeah. And I did. I wasn't in jail for something really bad. Uh, <laughs> That's what y'all say. I said something good, huh? Let me tell you why I wound up in jail. (laughs) I got up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd been working that week, and Saturday's my day, and I was napping. I got up at 3 o'clock, went in the kitchen. And looked out the door. And started making making me some spaghetti. Then looked out the door. I had a frying pan on the stove, frying some brown of my meat. And next thing I know, my wife's standing there peeking big time because I was using the wrong skillet. You smack her with it? No, I told her to get the hell out of my face and leave me alone. Well, she walked out the door, went and got in the car and went, went to the sheriff's office and told them I had attacked her. Now, oh, you ain't getting no spaghetti. Next thing I know, my butt's in jail for the weekend. And, you know, it's... That funny it's hard for me to eat spaghetti now. I'll eat it if Barney cooks it, but I, I just, after that, I swore I could. Now that's a story. I said, Have you ever heard a man do that, though? You know what I'm saying? It's always that way. You know what I'm saying? They could claim you whooped them. And- I cook. I cook. Spaghetti. <laughs> what? Spaghetti. Eggs and spaghetti. Supper. You go there and wake him up. Spaghetti cornbread. Yeah. That's right. Now that's a woman right there. Wakes him up. That's a woman. Yeah. Ladies, she wakes him up and hands him his plate. Yeah. <laughs> Where y'all at out there? They don't make them like that no more. All the guys I work with, they, they, why don't you get you a young woman? I said, look, man, I said, you go down there on the corner or beer joint or whatever and get you one of them nice, young, good-looking gals, take her home, see if she can cook. Okay. <laughs> hey. I said, I'm, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, some of these I'm people in quarantine right now are starving. I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if they're microwaves, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Miss Bonnie's the reason I got this vest today. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny's warm. Well... Was, I give, I give. Y'all can't see it, but I can tell you about it. I give Kenny a leather vest that I, I used to get wear a long time ago. Looks like Waylon, and, and it's it's the vest I wore when I was out on the road playing music. Here, so, I'll show it to you. So if you hear anything, <laughs> hear anything <laughs> while going on with Kenny, I'm not responsible for it. It's just a vest. The vibes, <laughs> the vest vibes. Kenny is Kenny is wearing this vest right now over the top of the underarm. <laughs> It's well, a black vest. We, we've got, I mean, we've got your story. 
Now it's your turn. RV. Let's, 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 let's take let's, it back in time and hear your story. RV Taylor, tell back us about in the age of the dinosaurs, y'all. That's right. Heck that's yeah. Right. Where'd I you? Born, I was born and raised down in Arkansas, down in the Delta, a little old town down on a river called Helena, near that. Heck yeah. Grew up down there. It's home of the blues, all that kind of stuff. Uh, earliest memory musically was listening to Elvis on the radio. You know, I sat out in my daddy's truck on the turn road. I was six to eight years old, burning his battery down on his farm. And what year was this? It had been 1956, 58, something like that. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Anybody in your family, are they, were they musically inclined? Did they play? We all sang. All my sang? was a wonderful singer. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, I taught my sister to sing harmony while we'd be chopping cotton in the summertime. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What kind of uh, songs would y'all sing in the field? Barbershop Quartet, because my mom listened to Lawrence Welk. I guess Lawrence Welk. I remember Lawrence Welk. I there had to go. Lawrence Welk. There so, you go. Sweet Dad O'Nine and all that kind of stuff, you know. So, uh, when did you uh, start picking up instruments? Did You, you know, I got, the, my, got my first guitar for Christmas when I was 14. Mom bought me a used silver tone hollow body electric. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's Sears. Oh, yeah. Sears, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Silver Tone. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy from Nashville called, his name's Jack White. I know you know yeah, Jack yeah. White. Yeah. He's famous yeah, for yeah, playing right. a Silver Tone. Is that right? The plastic one. Jack White, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. how he gets his tone. I sold it, I swapped it for a bass. You sold it to Jack White. <laughs> it was a red and white one was the one he played. I don't Mine was know. black and white. He, he had a, that's yeah. what he played, a red uh, and white one. That was a good guitar. I swapped it to a buddy of mine for a bass because uh, we were playing and nobody played bass. I said, I'll play bass. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. Ideas, you know. <laughs> That's how I ended up at the nightclub. The old boy jammed with down there. He had jammed with uh, Sonny Boy Williamson before he died. He died in Helena in 63. Heck yeah. And he, he's a little kid running going to Sonny Boy's house and jamming with him. So you're... Uh... You're familiar with all them good blues players, oh, yeah. like Lightning yeah, Hopkins and yeah, Muddy Waters right. and all them guys. Yeah, you know that's good stuff. They right encourage there, music. Absolutely, that's what we're doing now. You know, did you uh, rock? Yeah. Did you you start playing out in places? Did you you, you know, get a band? Or? I didn't start playing out until I was on the. I was nearly in my mid twenties. Mid twenties. Yeah, that just sound like it's old. Right. Well, and then you're. It your, is old for a musician, you know, to start. Yeah. Playing oh out, yeah. You know? Yeah. Is. Yeah, in them days for sure, you know, everybody gets It's a lot easier early. nowadays. To I be guess, older yeah. Get I, in it. My friend that I jammed with, you know, and I jammed with him playing auctions and stuff like that and parties, and he recommended the old boy that he knew was looking for a bass prince. And I said, Call RB. He did. Started playing the club and broke up. And what marriages. kind of music was y'all playing then? Whatever you play in the club, you know, country music, rock and roll, credence, all that kind of stuff like that. No, That's he just awesome. said broke up two marriages. We got to hear this story. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And a couple of really, probably wasn't the women's fault, good relationships. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when I met my third wife, and we had a baby. <laughs> here we go. Decided nightclub with the place for a man. Sound like a rambling man right here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're right. You're right. But I decided, hey, I don't need to be in this club, man, because it's just too much going on. It's too easy, ain't it? It's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy. That's why you like it. Everybody loves the band
Oh man, what time, what, what decade? <laughs> I mean, just I started that Mr. Gill was my kid. Right. Beatles came along, but other records. But then Stones came along and said they were doing blues. Yeah, that's right. I got heavy into the Stones at that point. Do you love Led Zeppelin? Oh yeah, well, see, I say heavy metal started in the late '60s. Right. So I got into Zeppelin, got into Steppenwolf, got into all those guys. Heck yeah. Uh, you know, Skinner in the '70s. You know, that's right. uh, all those folks. So yeah, stayed in rock and roll. Uh, Always, you know. So you never right. made this like a big run, but like, you know, touring and all. Oh, that. no, like we, that. Uh, You just kind of. Well, I started playing with this band. We doing, we touring Holiday Inns all over the Ozarks. Started down there. Uh, and our guitar player had a dream wanting to play cruise ships. That's his dream. That's pretty <laughs> good. Hey, they, 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 they have yeah, good records. I understood, you know, he thought that too. And he'd written some songs. He's trying to get himself, you know. We, there were some really good musicians they put on uh, the boats, man. Because I, I went on a cruise, uh couple years back and there was this guy and and him, and this girl and they would they would uh, it just depend on one of them would sing lead one of them sang harmony but uh-huh. this guy just he had an acoustic he had a he had somebody in michigan had built him a foot drum kit uh-huh. it had a little snare uh-huh. yeah, and all that no, stuff man, built yeah. on it and he was barefooted and he was playing <laughs> singing and doing all that at the oh, same time cool. And I'm telling you, they were great, eh? And I, and I started following them because I started talking to them, and they were cool just like every other musician that I've really talked to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they were telling me that, you know, they make like three-month runs. They'll do like a three-month run, and they take like three months off, okay. and then they'll come back. And, but they, they do it like twice a year, and it's enough for them to make a living. Wow. So I don't know. He didn't ever get into what the pay was like or whatever. And uh, but I started following them on Facebook, and I'll catch their videos sometimes. And yeah. they were, I mean, they could do anything. They were true musicians. You know, if you just throw the song out, it wouldn't matter. They they do it. You know, just you know, I was like, dang, you know, that's 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 good that's stuff. Impressive. Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of musicians do that. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, make you want to go back to the woodshed. And I just try. That's all I do. Them them guys yeah. right there, they can do it right off top of head. Let me, you know? let me tell you, you brought up Elvis. Let me tell you about the first time I seen Elvis. First time I seen Elvis was off of my front porch before I grew up. And you, you know, you always heard Elvis drove a gravel truck. Well, he did from Memphis on gravel. He also put in, uh, and worked I, on Highway 77 between Newburn and, and. They all gravel uh, out of Mount Mariah. Hmm. Down Mount Mariah Road there in Obama County from the pit up there. And I was on the porch and Hound Dogs were playing on the radio. That's when they first come out. He passed in that truck. And a few minutes later, my daddy come in and that hound dog was still playing. He said, that was that guy just went by in that truck. That's what he meant. He said, that's that Elvis guy they're talking about. That's the first time I ever oh, seen that. That's cool. That is She's passed, but uh, she uh, worked in a video store. Or, like it was, The video store was right beside an apartment. She used to go riding with him in his first Cadillac. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, up in Newbury, he stayed there. Right before, before he, he went to the military. He was working for you, you know, he went to the military, uh, come back, and that's when he uh, hooked up with him. Uh, I ain't saying that Elvis ain't dead, but I'm going to say I don't think he died whenever they had his funeral. I was there. It's the biggest hoax thing I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. Joe. My aunt said the same thing. Huh. No. I don't doubt they're all on an island somewhere, Hendricks and all of them. So is Jeffrey Epstein. He he just pointed out. (laughs) He didn't hang himself. He ain't on my island no more, Kenny. He didn't hang himself, but he ain't on that island no more. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you how I met my third wife. 
Here we go. I'm 18 and she was six. Damn! Whoa! You're 18. I was married to my first wife. At 18? Oh, yeah, man. You made your third wife at 18? No, no. I met her when I was 18. Oh, okay. You met her. married. She's sick. Come on, man. Even in Arkansas, they don't do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Plus, she went with my sister, so they, you know, there you go. But, yeah. So, like, I was taking her sister swimming because there's friends with my little sister-in-law, you know, so we go swimming and everything. Her other sister would be out in the yard crying, running around because they couldn't go too because they were kids, you know. Right. That's when I met her. Then I didn't meet her again until like, Lord, 17, 18 years later. And I'd gone through these women, you know. And I'd you let her, her grow up. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. You might have officially. She's 23 when I met her again, so yeah. yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that's that. I heard that guy over, last thing guy said, over in Arkansas before he died, as his daughter heard him say was, get off me, daddy, you're crushing my cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's getting rough right there. Now. That's raunchy. That's a podcast material. That might be Alabama. Hey, I don't know. Yeah, this gonna be on the deep web. But then you gotta look. That's where It is marked explicit on my page. We didn't. We didn't brief Greg before. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Y'all excuse me. It just slipped out. Oh, I know. You made it a point. I'm an old road musician, and stuff comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Seen it all and done it all. Hey, <laughs> hey don't take offense, sir, but he was just talking about your first two wives. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> this, guy, this guy asked me one time, said, How long have you been married? And I said, Well, uh, about 45 years if you add them all up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got another person around the table here, and uh, then we'll go back on to old, to old Kenny. But uh, we got got my brother Bob King. He uh him he and I have grown up together from what kindergarten. Hey, it's kindergarten first grade. Kindergarten or first grade, but we've been we we were attached at the hip for several years, long several time. several long years. Time. So let's let's go into your music journey there, Bob. I know my, my story is near as good as yours. It will be. You long live long enough, you'll have some good ones. From what uh, <laughs> so what at the earliest age, uh, what what do you remember about music? From I mean, what what interested you first? What age you think you was? Probably when I was probably two or three. My dad was a musician. Okay. And a hairdresser. Is his name Ed King? Much? No, no, it's, it's Robert. <laughs> I got you. I was hoping for BB, but it's right. uh, No, my dad played bars and honky tonks uh, growing up, and then as I started getting older, he uh, he got rid of all his guitars. And I remember when I was eight years old, I mean, he sold his guitar uh, one Christmas to buy my sister some roller skates, and he bought my first guitar. I still had that guitar. It, 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 ain't, it ain't worth much. It don't play that great. It's sentimental. But, but I've it's had been it. some places. It's yeah. been some places. Mm-hmm. It's sentimental thing, man. It is. It Can't is. nobody play that No, no. And it's, it screams the 80s. Um, <laughs> it's got the pointed headstock on it, you know, and, gotcha. and all that. But it does. Uh, you know, it, it won't ever go nowhere. I learned everything I know on that guitar. So it was an electric guitar? Is that electric. what you started out on? I didn't get the amp until I was 14. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I wanted to make sure I knew how to learn how to play before you got me an amp. I got you. You know, at eight years old, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with it, you know. So I learned a few chords, the blues boogie, stuff like that. And then off and on, it, I sat it down. And then uh, probably when I was about 13 or 14, I picked it back up. Started getting serious with it. Well, if you can call Nirvana serious, then <laughs> the grunge era. Yeah, so around about the same time I started playing grunge. Yeah, I got you. As a matter of fact, I used to play the guitar over at Brad's house all the time. His, that's all we did. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. We get as loud as we could and sounded very terrible. Remember the pizza guy? Oh, the pizza. We had a pizza guy come oh. and he knocked on the door. Knocked on. We're back there jamming, dude. <laughs> just loud as you can get. Loud. After loud. finally, I hear a knock on my bedroom window. I'm like. What is that? He's like, I got your pizzas. I was like, cool. So I opened the door, and this dude's a musician. He played punk music. Yeah. Ah. I cannot remember the name of his band, but they they did a cover of What's Going On. Oh yeah, and it, it was it was wild. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So Linda, uh, so who who influenced you as far as music goes? What, what would you say? Man, that's see, that's where it kind of gets crazy. My style is real different because. I grew up listening to my dad's records, like right. Zeppelin, ZZ Top, um, yeah. Brothers Johnson, uh, you know, uh, funk, classic mm-hmm. rock, things like that. Awesome. Um, I had two older sisters who were into the uh, 80s hair bands, no. so I listened to a lot of the 80s hair bands. Yeah. And then I creeped into the 90s with the grunge and all that, and then as I got older, I slowed down and started listening to more country. My grandfather was a country, he loved country music, my grandmother, all them. So of course. I, I got a lot of influences. I got you. Uh, That's good. It gives you well-rounded stuff. Yeah, you know? I've always been told my style is pretty funky, so I guess the uh, my dad's funk album really kind of stuck to me. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it I'm touches you right now. Time. His dad, though, as far as Stairway to Heaven goes, that's the best I've ever heard anybody play yeah. Including the original artist. His yeah. dad, dude, if his dad wow. gets an acoustic and plays it and sings it, dude, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's it's hard to hey, that's a, that's that's saying something because Jimmy Page is like to me Jimmy Page is like on a pedestal right, right. here. You, you know, you, what, I mean? you know what gets me is you go somewhere and somebody like a dude Stairway to Heaven or some of those songs like that. They said, "Man, that guy sounded great." Well, I'm a little different. My thought is, well, they all too. He's had 55 years to learn it. Hmm. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, that's, uh, that song well, stayed on the top billboards for like 40 years. Yeah. I believe that's the only song I've ever heard. All that play. music. Really? They oh, were he, in played a, a, he played a lot of ZZ. He, in, he's big on ZZ. In probably. the 60s, the musicians that come out with all that stuff, they were at a place in time where we could never be. They were at the, at the beginning of, of rock and roll, mm. the beginning of, of electric guitars and amps that were really second to will perform in mm-hmm. a place in time where we could never be. They said right. pace. Well, see, you know, they, they took what they basically done. What, if what you mean, go back took the blues. Listen, I've got this right. and, collection. And electrified. Exactly. Yeah, I've got a collection of, of uh, oh, who done Johnny Be Good? Chuck, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. I've got a four album set. And if you listen to them four albums, there is not a guitar lick that has ever been done that Chuck Berry didn't do in 1955. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a player. He's an innovator. He was a player. There's not one lick or any sound that anybody can do that Chuck Berry didn't do. Mm. And he didn't have all these fancy Floyd 
pedal gadgets. Plus, he duck walking while he was doing it. He done it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't. There, there wasn't. They wasn't out there yet. The analog, you know, pedal board oh, stuff wasn't it. there. You know, Hendrix and all them, they put, I think all he had was a, was a, a wob. A and a fuzz. And a, and a fuzz face. And then, you know, you go straight into a 58 Marshall Plexi, yeah. which is, you know, a lot of people's tones, you know. And Hendrix played on the lower broad in Nashville for a year or two, back in the 66, 65. Before he went over to England, that's where he invented himself. Yeah, you know? that's, that's where he got the big name for him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when we were, when we were the ages of, you know, 14, 15, Bobby actually started, you know, he started, he started writing music then. Yeah. Songs yeah. then. I still got them. Yeah, I still got them broke down. I'm not sure. The time that I've yeah. been up Nashville, what you hear on the radio, the records you, and CDs, you will never hear the good songs. You will never hear the good musicians. They will never, they don't never get Right, right. So studio musicians are saying, yeah. I've sat and heard guys. That, we got guys yeah. in Dyersburg that are phenomenal and don't do anything. I, I, well, I agree. What Greg's talking about, I think right. they get put in the closet. Oh, yeah, yeah no doubt. doubt. Yeah. Yeah. He's Nobody saying the session producers. players. You know, a lot of the people that become really good musicians and stars, they were session players. Dwayne Allman. Dwayne Allman was second to none as far as playing mm-hmm. slide. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was actually, when Eric Clapton calls you up and says, look, I want you to be on Derek and the Dominoes, that whole slide work on Layla, mm-hmm. that's that's Dwayne on. Yeah, right. he, he did a lot of that, at, at you know, with the Swampers and stuff up in uh, Muscle Shows. He'd done that for a long yeah. time before he ever, you know, they made the, the Almond Brothers Band, which they were called the Honey, you know, what was they called, the Honey something? Uh, Almond Joys. Almond Joys, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Almond yeah. Joys before I always before they wondered came. where Glenn Campbell come from whenever he come out with his TV show. He was a, he was he a session player. player. Hey, only only lately I've understood who Glenn Campbell was. Glenn Campbell played guitar on all the hits out of L.A. in the 60s. He was one of the main guitar players on mm-hmm. the wreck, what they called the Wrecking Crew. Mm-hmm. And everything from rock and roll to was he part of that uh, that whole what's that in California uh, that Buck Owens and all that don't? No, like? no, he was L.A. the Sonny uh, Sher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was on that part of that. Yeah. I got all you. Those, all those stars the stars in that era. After Brian he played. He was the session man playing on all those sessions. Yeah, right. See, you only all your music is basically done with a set amount of. Set certain people. Mm-hmm. Nashville is, LA was, yeah, Muscle Shows. They have their, their yeah. certain people. Mm-hmm. If you wanna, if you wanna go to Nashville, Chad and Atkins do anything with a song, what you need to do is you go down to RCA Studio where Elvis used to record, and you hire all the top number one, seven or eight session pickers to do your song. You don't do it with your own people. You don't do it in the studio. Right. And do it yourself. You got to hire them people. You play their game and, and play their game, mm-hmm. and that gets your foot in the door. And then, that used to be the way it was. Yeah, it's Chad still, Atkins. It's, it's still people, that way. But yeah. I mean, if you want to go their route, but people like Joe Bonamassa, they record at home. Their oh, own. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 He does it. Well, some Joe Bonamassa, he does. Some year, some year does some crazy stuff. Some year, big artists now though, they 
refuse to sign with the record. Absolutely. Yeah, they they I promote mean, their sales and everything. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. With the internet, you got social media. You got social media and stuff yeah. nowadays yeah. that you didn't have back right. in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you can you can push yourself so right. much. Cody Jink still ain't signed with anybody. He's put out six albums that went number one. One has sold out shows. Yeah, every time. Every time. And he promotes everything. He does his own. Doctor Hook. And the medicine shop. The steel player and guitar player, Dr. Hook, named George Cummins. Mm. Become a friend of mine. George was in Dr. Hook, a founding member mm. in Dr. Hook for nine years. And this is what happens whenever you sign a contract and, and you ain't got a lawyer and you don't pay attention. Mm. Don't sign anything, guys. And he was in the band for nine years. Total amount of money he got out of Dr. Hook the first nine years of existence of Dr. Hook was $54,000. For nine years. For nine years. With all those hits. To this day, they're the most traveled band in the history of the world. Never rode a dang bus. They were a bar band in New, in New Jersey. And he told me, he said they were playing for like six people a night. Hmm. A guy walks in, throws a contract down, says, I need a band to do a scene for the opening of motion for motion picture. Hmm. Well, yeah, we'll do that. They signed, signed the contract. They went from six people a night in a bar band. The next thing that they played, they walked out on the stage at this big grand opening of some huge mall in Denmark and played for 123,000 people. That'll make you crazy. Was handed, a, <laughs> was handed a ticket, Denmark to New York, played New York, handed a ticket from New York to LA, handed a ticket on the plane to Tokyo. They went around and around the world like that for nine years. He got $54,000. No artistic rights to any of his songs. Mm. That means they didn't get rolled. That's kind of what happened to Jimi Hendrix. That happened yeah. to Ann Saint. That yeah. happened to all of them. Happens to a lot of people. That Jimmy, that's how Jimmy got there. Yeah. 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 And, and it still works that way. You know, and they get that assignment. <laughs> they have that paper for them. They just can get a big deal. They just yeah. sign it. Mm. They don't look that fine. This is the whole they they entertainment lawyer. A whole different aspect of music, but Ann Saint. Their manager, producer guy, he robbed them. They oh, had, yeah. they had yeah, to sue yeah. that dude. Look, uh, I mean, he was made. They were, you know, Hendrix they didn't was make, identical to that. They didn't make yeah. his manager right. Hundred thousand dollars in the time look that at, they were doing. Look at Elvis. You know, it's Elvis. crazy. Uh, John Fogerty is the main one. He signed a seven record deal and didn't see any of that. His band didn't see anything. His brother got bad. There's, really there's nothing. Yeah. Never signed what I found out with my thirty six years in Nashville, there's nothing business about the music business. It's all, they going to nail you to the wall and skin your hide is what they going to do. Give you the business. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where I was, people coming to me, and I said, no, my grandmama raised me better, and I will not do what y'all want me to do just to get a record contract. That's right. And that's when I give up. I always okay, read so. a lot of stories talking about, you know, that, if you went to Nashville back in the day, it was Chet Atkins sound. I mean, it was it was going to be that Chet way. Chet Atkins, yeah. 
And they was talking about, you know, that's that's where, you know, Waylon and Willie and all them guys, they had contracts there and they never made anything out of themselves till they left and done it their own way. That's right. And that's when they that's when they started calling my outlaws. It didn't what what the way they were living. They were living rough, but it was because they, they went and made their own way. They did way. not conform. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. All right, guys, we're about to just give me one second. One second. Oh, it looks like four seconds. Hang on. Well, I'm going to all right, we're back. I'll give you an example of how the music business works. Whenever you hear somebody bought a me they sold a million records, well, I give you get a receipt book and whip it out here and, and give you a receipt that I bought a million records off of you. That's the million records. Whether you actually bought them or not. Yes, but the records never exist. And then Garth Brooks, his drummer and steel player, played with me in my weekend band for about three months, or longer than that, about six months. And they kept telling me, my bass player friend, we got hooked up and we're rehearsing with a guy that's going to be bigger than Elvis. Well, they, uh, we, we're going to leave next month. We're going to leave. Or mm. next month. Well, it never happened. Mm. And we said, well, what, what about your big dude? You know, what's, what's going on? Well, there's getting things set up, getting things set up. So I got a call and went to to Iowa one weekend to play, and the steel player went with me. Coming back, he pulls out a CD. He said, this is the guy that I've been telling you about we are rehearsing with. So listen to it and see what you think. Well, I listened and I said, the others, 10,000 more in Nashville just like it. He said, you're right. But he said, this is gonna be big. It was Garth Brooks. Hmm. Well, Garth Brooks is nephew to Gaylord Entertainment. Hmm. So that explains right there. I watched his also, documentary. Also, you've never seen or heard of Garth Brooks' daddy. You've never seen on any of his shows. You've seen his mama, but you've never seen his daddy. His daddy's a rich Oklahoma oil man and won't be bothered with it. They set everything up. Everything just one, two, three, step by step. And that's how Garth Brooks come to be. I liked, his, I liked his first song. His first song was country. Hmm. And then after that, he went off into the, on the deep end with a bunch of bullshit. Same way Clint Black did the same way. Hmm. So-called sold a million records. Didn't do it. But everybody thinks it's so. Billboard magazine always sold a million records. The first year, I think, Garth made $68 million dollars. Now what I'm getting at is about 68 million. All of us work for somebody else. The low man on the totem pole makes the least amount of money. The guy that's actually doing the work is the man that makes the least amount of money. Garth made 68 million. He's the work. He's the worker. He's the low man on the totem pole. He makes 68 million. Just imagine what record company and all that stuff made. Oh, they still make Probably 500. Yeah, they still make money out there. Yeah, he got here in turn a year last year. 
Chris Rock did a special. He's talking about rich and wealthy. He says, Shaq, who plays basketball, is rich. The man who writes Shaq's paycheck is wealthy. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a difference. What I've read, Kid Rock hmm. done it himself. Uh-huh. Kid Rock built his his own organization. Mm-hmm. His, <coughs> he built it up himself. But he had the city of Detroit mm. to pull from. Now we can play out here and have fifty people sometimes. But if you in, and that's a great crowd. If you're where the people are, mm. you draw a crowd. Mm. And he just didn't do music. If mm. you've seen any of his videos of his shows, oh, it was a show. I mean he had had a midget. He had midgets. Women. He had that's strippers. Right. Right. He had. Yeah, he had entertainment. That's right. It, it's it's like a wild west. Yeah. And then Hank grabbed hold of him, and Hank set him up for country music. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and he he went to he got he built that in Detroit up big enough that he went to the record label mm-hmm. and said, "This is what I want." They want you to build your following before they pay attention to mm-hmm. you. Oh yeah. They don't sure. have to work it up. They want you to work it it's up. It's the same way with these bars. I guarantee you, they will lie. Well, I've been you. telling you, it's the same way with these bars. They don't give a shit what mm-hmm. you sound like. It's just yeah. how many people you can bring, bring, bring here and sell the liquor right. for. Them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Says it's yeah. your job. But they don't want beer. you to That's come exactly in there right. and suck it up because they will, you will not be bad. But I say that there's a song that I do called "Baby Stone" that was on the Charlie Daniels album. That the record company would not release it until he took that song off, and it's one as good a song as you ever heard in your life. Kind of got an Auburn Brothers kind of flavor to it, and, mm. and it was good. It last weekend, and uh, they just would not release it, and he took it off, and they put this album cut thing on there that two two of my other friends wrote. I'm glad they got the cut. It wasn't a good song. I mean, this Baby's Gone song, it's a hit song. But they just let it out of the bag. But they don't. I mean, you got the best song in the world. Why is that? Why why does that happen? Because you're interfering with songs and taking more money out of them. Oh, you're competing against their money maker. Right. It's their little club, and, and... these guys that think they get in there and it's, they got it made. It's, it's a popularity contest. I, walk, I walked in an office back in the 75, mm-hmm. 76, when Loretta Lynn was big. I was in a, one of the office buildings up there and I went in the wrong door. And there Loretta Lynn was standing. And this guy chewing her up one leg down the other, talking to her awful, and I'm thinking, Damn, here's a major star, and she's having to take this crap. No, it ain't right. But they own you. Yeah. They absolutely own you. That's why, that's why when I was approached, I wouldn't do it. I will not do what them people want you to do. And they will. They're trying to make you do all kinds of things. And now they they got all the rest of us wanting to get there. Yeah. Hmm. They yeah, got, the, they got the system. Signing up for it. <laughs> when, I, when, I got, when I went up there, it, I think that it was $23,000. It was all hung on $23,000. Yeah, you give me $23,000, I'll make it the start. Hmm. People come in there with their life savings. 
Mm. Well, I'll be done with about a half-ass demo out of the studio. And that the studio and is it. a master's. And that's it. I mean, there's an artist out right now though that does all his own stuff, and he has, like, on the on the charts. He's went to the top on the charts, and he does all the stuff by himself, mm -hmm. recording everything. And he's about to release a just a solely right. country album, but he's done it on rap, right? Country rap, right? Rock, mm -hmm. and now he's releasing the country album. He's went to the top on all these, doing, right. but he's doing it all himself. He records it in his own studio. Right. Puts he it out. But he's putting a lot of work. He did. He has right. a lot of work. So it's, it's like Cody, you know. I, I didn't understand marketing tactics. I didn't understand releasing yeah. both of them albums at the same time. Right. Yeah. You know, any record recording studio would have never done no. that. He, he said, "I'm gonna give you both of them the same damn right. day." Right. And they're two different flavors of music. You know, right. the same country, but it's he's just reaching more people. A lot of those people. It's crazy though. He's as good as what he is at sales. Fans, you know, promoting every show. It's crazy. Before I did make friends, a friend of his was through some other friends of his was Dean Diller. Did anybody know who yeah, Dean Diller? Yeah, he wrote every song George Strait. Oh, so. I've been to Dean Diller's house. Dean Diller, when he had all of those George Strait songs going on for like a year and a half, two years, I walked in his house. You know what the boy owned? What's that? A sleeper sofa. That's it. That's crazy. That's crazy because a lot of people they call they call him the king. You know they, they refer to George Strait as king. Great songwriter, I guess. He's he never yeah, wrote yeah, one song. It's no. like Elvis. He never wrote a song. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it just songs. Dean Dillon's he was he, he wrote almost ninety percent of his music. James Johnson wrote. I had guys up there doing that. He paid for that concert guy about twenty five hundred dollars. Even with him, he was writing hits for other people when he was there. Yeah, he was never, writing. That's what he was first. Yeah, yeah. And then he tried to, he yeah. tried to make it. Right. Yeah. No. They, well, it's like Waylon. You know, Waylon was, he was a bass player for Buddy right. Holly. Right, right, yeah. We went on a massive rabbit trail, but it was a good one. Yeah. We left off, you was, what, 14? Yeah, you 14. Got your hand open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was too. Yeah. We all got that in common, I guess. You got your amp at 14? I got my amp at 14. Oh. Um, and then that's, uh, you know. The Marshall Stack? No, no, it was actually, it was a, it was a Fender 2 amp. Heck yeah, uh, which model? I don't remember, I wish I could. All I remember was it said Fender on it and had tunes in it and I went to 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, I think it had a 10 or 12 inch speaker in it. Yeah, might have been a uh, champ. Well, it's it's been been a day, champ. You, you look in the, the music catalogs today and it's like, Five one amp, twenty one ten, yeah. one one amp. For what? I don't get it. I mean, we. I'm playing through four one amp in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, I got a blues junior now, and that's what Two I. Two but solid stays completely and, uh, different. I don't. I don't know what. They, a lot of people never changed, had their bedroom. It might be like playing. a horsepower on cars. They've changed everything. You know. Tube is a lot I mean, louder. Like, like his 15, it would yeah. probably hang with 400 watt solid yeah. state. I mean, that's how that's, loud that's tube is. I think they've changed their rating somehow. Well, you, a mm. lot of the big watt amps are great for playing out, you know, playing yeah. like down here at the roof, things like that. Yeah. Where the, the smaller amps, the smaller tube amps, they're good for studio work. Mm. You can crank right. them, you can hook them up, and right. then you get a kind of a different sound. See, what I've heard, you know, that's what people do now. They, 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 and it's at least. 
you know, they'll carry like something like that, yeah. like a Princeton or something like that, and they'll do studio work with it, and they'll play live gigs, and that's how they get their sound. They just mic it. Yeah, Everything's mic'd. Yeah. Everything is mic'd. I've got two different 25 watt amps, and I can't, when you turn them up, <laughs> it six or seven, then they start getting ready. I don't mm. I like a clean amp. Yeah. See, that's why, I, I guess that's why I've always played Fenders, because I can, yeah. I can crank it up to eight or nine. I've, never, I've, I've yeah. never owned a, a distortion or a fuzz box. I mm. like clean. Yeah. And with that big, big watch, keep it turned down low. Mm. It's all about You got hair. all this head room, mm. or whenever you really smack it, out. It don't break up. It's all that headroom, you know. It, wattage speakers, it helps that. Like, yeah. if you've got, you know, say you got 15 watts tube, you know, you can put like a 95 watt, you know, speaker in there, and it don't break up at higher volumes. You know, where you got like a greenback at 15 watts, you know, it's gonna break up around four I, and a half. I played through, right. through two PVs, special 130s for years with a stereo, mm -hmm. and I put one on one side of it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy how they get all their tones. You know, they would hang them upside down and hang them, hang them in these rooms down here. And right. They'd have an out way down here hanging. And I, I've worked and crazy and, and mocked everything. My experience is don't mic nothing. If you if you can't if you're on your me on my side of the stage, if I can't hear his guitar on the other side of the stage, it's too loud. Because the spaces and dead spots in music are as important as the notes. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I went through all and everything that everybody else done goes through. I had a little <coughs> Bose PA with the 802. Great yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. When I'd go in the club, set my little Bose up, and everybody's always, we gotta adjust stuff. My rig, I can go in and plug it in and turn it on, never touch a knob. That's awesome. And these guys club owners come up, where's PA? It's right there. Well, man, y'all making as much got money as the guys last week, and they had all these stacks of speakers. I said, I'm gonna tell you something. I said, you'll be telling me to turn down before you'll be telling me to turn up. And this guy in Minnesota, he comes up on first break, he comes up and said, man, you're gonna have to turn that down. And he said, you're vibrating them. Merchandise off the shelves behind the bar. That's awesome. That's one I like to turn mine up to. It's hard to go through Bobby's, letting Bobby tell his music journey because a lot of his music journey is also mine. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, sure. we grew up, you know. He was on the road, too. Doing it together. Yeah. I learned the least amount of stuff you can carry, the better off. Well, I learned that way when we played in the band, and I, he uh, he taught me to play bass. I'd never touched a bass guitar. It was a Super Bowl party, and we're sitting there, and he looks at me, he goes, you want to play in the band? Yeah. He goes, okay, we need a bass player. 
So and I, at this time, that's when Melissa and John were married. Yeah, too, yeah. Which was my guitar player was his brother. Well, I, I learned as much about playing the guitar by playing bass. Yeah. As I have. Yeah, that's uh, it actually they playing coincide. bass. I mean, they really do. They yeah. coincide. Well, yeah. You learn notes up and down there. I learned more necks. about lead guitar by playing bass right. than I ever did that's what I'm saying. by playing rhythm guitar. Because yeah. you learn the notes. You, you got you got to learn where, learn where the notes are. We had a we had a, a band though for a little, that. Well, we we was probably together what a year, year year and a half something like and that. And it was called Unleash Reality. Yeah, we all make mistakes, guys. We all make yeah. mistakes. <laughs> a lot of mistakes were made. Uh, that was a Wayland song we did, and I learned. Kind of little bit typical, kind of typical way that's right. And I learned at a point in that song to play halftime bass. Yeah. And it just changed. There's people that were dancing, the two step stuff, you know, that half, halftime bass. It just freaked them out. I mean, <laughs> they'd get off on it, man. And it, and, and it turned into like a long rope on a horse. Yeah. Man, just playing halftime. And these boys coming in here playing just thump, 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 thump. It's bass, man. Two four, boom boom. Yeah, that's right. it's, uh, that's. I guess that's kind of the way I played. Uh, Are you talking about my bass players? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they know I don't like it too. <laughs> it's bass. It is bass. It's that's how we keep I the told bait, my right? bass player one time. He said, "I don't know if I know that if you play that." I said, "Well, it ought to be pretty simple playing on bass. You ain't got four strings." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we actually got to got to go to a, a pretty predominant studio though that was in Jackson with uh, Wes Henley. Oh yeah, and we got to record three songs in there. We played a bike rally. Yeah, and that's right. when we decided we wasn't playing in that group anymore. Well, we, got, we got put on the radio too. Yeah, we did. We was we on the radio. On radio. We did a battle of the bands. Yeah, that was the first thing we did. Yeah. Then we recorded uh, three songs, yeah. and then we played the bike rally, yeah. and that's when we decided we weren't playing in the band no more because the singer got totally trashed and yeah. announced, announced the, the band, band, and it was the wrong band name. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's how trash she was. Dude. Oh was Thousands of bikers out there, and she announces the wrong band. It's like, and when I she was, says the band name, everybody's like, "Yeah!" It's like that's not us. That's that's that's, 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 not, that's, us. that's not us. <laughs> I, I went to Florence, Alabama, one time. My bass player had been playing with Rassy Bailey, and they were doing a PBS taping, and needed a band to, to open, and Rassy Bailey. So we, mean bass player been playing with me pretty steady on the weekends and we was tight. We went down there and smoked it, man. <laughs> I think we even done one of Razzie's songs and I mean nailed it to the wall. <laughs> but about a month later, I'm working, uh, I run heavy equipment as a day job. I was on a job site in Brentwood and this guy says, Greg Clinton, I said, yep. He said, I just got back from Vegas and used on TV after. I said, what? He said, yeah, on PBS channel. They're playing, playing you on PBS channel out there. I said, well, I'm glad to know it because I ain't never got a time out there. <laughs> <laughs> Come to find out, they, they tape, whenever they tape something, they send it to different, different PBSs around the country. 
That could be done here, Kenny. No doubt. Yeah. Be like the Opry yeah, show. Yeah. But I mean, uh, <laughs> after that, that's when you you moved to Texas. Yeah, I moved yeah. to Texas and uh, went went to work out in Texas for a while. I didn't put up the guitar, um, but I kind of set it aside. Had to raise a family. Um, Understand that. So, um, and recently, in the last year, I kind of picked it up more. My son graduates this year. That's my baby. And uh, so now he's gonna be going off to college, and I gotta find something to do with my time. I understand. And, uh, so that's <laughs> so that's gonna be uh, my music's gonna fill up my void up, uh, my empty nest, I guess. I understand, man. So how many songs do you have written now? That I have written now, I probably got six or seven that are complete. You know, I got that's not including the ones I wrote when I was in high school and all that. A lot of those got to be redone. Um, you know, I've probably got three or four that I'm working on. But I, I, I got at least five or six that are, that are complete. Grab a guitar and play us one of them. Oh. Hey, Brad, is this going live here shortly? Uh, I decided not to do the live because my phone was actually stupid. You going to throw it out there? With I'm, I'm on, uh, I'll, po- I'll publish this here when we get done. Somebody's asking. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll have it back up here in a little bit. I'm not going to be able to go live because uh, it's kind of jacked up. I guess I could do this part live. Hang on, Bobby. Let me get let me get up on the seven three one guy page. This one's gonna be uh ninety miles an hour. Ninety miles an hour. This is uh, one second. It's a song I wrote probably about four four years ago when I first started picking the guitar back up, start kind of playing. And uh, what's the concept about? It's uh, you know, we all go through struggles with our relationships and everything, and you know you uh. Things aren't always what they seem. Of course. And, uh, you know, you're going to have fights. You're going to have arguments. But in the, the day, you got to know who there is to lean on. And that's kind of the, the basis behind it. Um, and it's just the lyrics kind of really, really speak for themselves on it. I got you. All right, here we go.
Song, man. Thanks. I like that. Matt, you want to strap up? Uh, Last one. I don't know. Serious. What do y'all want here? Let's uh, sit some David Allen Cole. David Allen Cole. Uh-huh. Oh, David Allen Cole. Is he, is he the bus boy at the Gracious? <laughs> he might. Be. He used to be, I think. <laughs> I think he got in trouble. Had to go to jail or something. Got us. Got a little Matt Willis going to strap up here and play us one. Yeah, man. Here we go. I was stumbling down Montgomery. Had my guitar on my back. Stranger stopped beside me in an antique Cadillac. He was dressed like 1950, half drunk and hollow eyed. It's a long walk to Nashville. Would you like a ride? Well, I sat down on the front seat and I turned on the radio. Them sad old songs coming out of them speakers was solid country gold. And I noticed a stranger was ghost white hell, and he asked me for a line. And I knew there was something strange about this ride. Seven drifter, can you make folks cry when you play a scene? Have you paid your dues? Can you moan the blues? Can you bend them guitar string? Said, boy, can you make folks feel what you feel inside? If you big star clown, let me warn you, it's a long, hard night. Well, he cried just south of Nashville And he turned the car around Said, this is where you get off, boy Going back to Alabama As I stepped out of the Cadillac Said, Mr. Many Thanks Said, you don't have to call me Mr. Mister The whole world called me Hank Said, Mr. Can you make folks Have you paid your dues and you moan the blues? Can you bend them guitar string? Said, boy, can you make folks feel what you feel inside? If you big star bound, let me warn you, it's a long, hard time. 
Set and drifter, can you make folks cry when you play insane? Have you paid your dues? Can you moan the blues? Can you bend them guitar strings? Said boy, can you make folks feel what you feel inside? If you big star clown, let me warn you, it's a long, hard run. If you big star clown, let me warn you, it's a long, hard run. When y'all up next, y'all gotta go up there and pick this one out real quick. It's going to be the first CD for Dixie Blue. It's called Tears and Rain. It's a blues song. All right. We like the blues around here. Heck yeah. Three chord? Huh? Three chord blues? Uh, no. Oh, I don't know. It's in A. <laughs> Come on down. Kenny going to go grab a It's not a grab three chord thing, but you can follow in there. Go ahead, man. Because it starts like this. Okay.
That's awesome, Mary, man. I like that. Yeah. You ready up there to turn this one out? Uh-huh. He said, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling that. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Well. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was picking some lead, but let's see in this oh, out. Man, it's got a lead part, did it? I don't know, but I'll just mess it up. Man, you you said it was an A. <laughs> you can take it. I mean, well, it's an A. It's all you need to know, right? Well, <laughs> my A wasn't fitting with it. We've been going. We've been going. Yeah. It sounded yeah. good to me, Kenny. It sounded yeah. good to yeah, me. Yeah, me yeah, too. I was liking it. I was getting off on it. Well, we've been going for a little over an hour and a half, fellas, on the podcast, so I'm going to go ahead and shut her on down over here. But shut I appreciate, appreciate all y'all coming on and. Appreciate you coming out, Brad. Being with us, and shout out to the Root and Kenny Rogers and RNS Carpet, and uh, we'll first see y'all. First sponsor, RNS Carpet, uh, and big shout out to uh, Artifice for the use of their song in my uh, intro. Uh, you look them up on uh, Spotify. Uh, Pandora, you can get their music anywhere you want to stream from. You can buy it from Apple Music, you know, anywhere you can buy music from on the internet. Look them up, check them out, buy the music, guys. Again, this is 731 Guy. We'll see y'all later.